Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. Well, start health and sick to fit. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a thoughtful and time abundant life. So let's talk about time. Is time linear? Does it just go from one spot to another spot, always forward, always focusing on progress, on newness, on difference? Or is it cyclical, returning again and again to the same spot? And why does it even matter? So if you have an analog watch, you know that time goes around in circles. The, the minutes, the hours all return to the same spot. You only need one watch face and you can calculate every single time there ever was, is, or will be. But according to what we mostly use, calendars and planners and digital timekeepers and most of Western culture, we think of time as moving ever forward. And few of us take seriously the cycles of nature when we think about time and how we move through it. Today's guest, Brian Tourville, has been thinking about time and how our disconnection from the rhythms and cycles of the natural world contribute to our alienation from it. The idea that we can get ripe watermelon in December in North Carolina. You know, the idea that there's no such thing as out of season produce, the idea that we don't notice, particularly when trees change their leaves, when animals change their patterns of behavior. We're not part of the natural world anymore because we've built technologies. We've built a humanscape that alienates us and separates us from it. So Brian and I met in 2012 at a permaculture design course in Western Massachusetts, and we were on the same team that was tasked with creating a sustainability plan for this farm property. And we kicked ass almost entirely thanks to Brian's impressive mapping, photoshopping and designing skills. And then after the workshop, we sort of lost touch until I, I found an email address from a correspondence I'd had. And I reached out last year to Brian and I discovered that he now lived about a mile and a half away from me, maybe maybe less, maybe a mile and a quarter. So we've reconnected in person over our love of gardening, uh, nature and natural building and nature based philosophy. And Brian came by the other day with a gift, this calendar that he had created called the space of a year. And it's a gorgeous calendar and it is a circle. And so every single one of the 366 days of the year 2020 goes around this circle and it's got the months and it's got the weeks and the weekends and the days. And it also has the star signs and the moons and the Earth's rotation. And it's got some sacred geometry. And I was asking Brian about it because I know he'd been working on this I think pretty much since we met in 2012, and it finally just came out this year. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, he got his first one and brought it over to me. And it turns out that as we started chewing on it, there's a philosophy behind it. And it's a philosophy that I find beautiful and useful and very much in keeping with what we do here at Plant Yourself. Just try to remember that we are part of nature, that we need to plant ourselves on this planet where we are in order to be good stewards of it, because whether we like it or not, we are stewards of this planet. We've created 
the infrastructure that we determine pretty much what happens to the climate, to the water, to the air. And we can't just wash our hands of it and go back to nature, because if we do, someone else is going to mess it up. So we, we have an obligation, all of us, to become more native, more indigenous to where we live. And this calendar can help us do that. But the philosophy behind it is really what's going to help us do it. So I asked Brian to join me in Sun Studio, which is to say the Plant Yourself podcast shed to talk about his notions of nature time and how we can re reconnect with our own nature by orienting ourselves to the natural cycles all around us. And if you're interested in the calendar, you can go to the space of a year .com. You can also just go to the show notes for this episode, which is plantyourself.com slash three, five, four. And there's some links there to check it out and buy it. And if your holiday giving includes nature lovers and those with a cosmological bent, I think they will love it. And we also have a YouTube version of this podcast, which is to say we turned on the camera as well. And Brian's a notoriously shy, public averse uh, fellow. So this was a coup to actually uh, get him to come and sit down and, and chat. And we also talk in the podcast. We talk about the calendar and point to it because we taped it up on the wall behind us. So the YouTube version might be useful as well. And you can also find that at plantyourself.com slash three, five, four. Before we get there, just two quick announcements. One is I have two slots available for um, coming up for January for 2020 for private one on one unlimited laser coaching with me. If you want to make 2020 the year, if you want to make the 2020s the decade where you really take care of yourself on every level, I would love I'd be honored to be part of your team. And you can find out all about the laser coaching. It is cheaper than you think at plantyourself.com slash laser. That's L-A-S-E-R. Also, Josh and I are still looking to finish up the New Orleans roster so we can put that behind us and really roll up our sleeves on programming. And you can find out all about this retreat, this, this life health clinic that Josh leads with my help at sick to fit. That's the number two sick to fit.com slash NOLA, all lowercase N O L A for New Orleans, Louisiana. All right. So let's talk about time without further ado. Brian Tourville, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah. So we have a long history. Um, we met in 2012 in like Worcester, Massachusetts, somewhere around there. I was in Worcester at the time. We, oh, I don't know the name of the town now. It was uh, further west of that. Yeah, and we we were just both randomly attending a permaculture design course. That's right. And I remember you had the facility with graphics, and you were able to like plot out all the the land and the orchard, and like I think we were on the same team. That's and, right. And like we we kicked ass because you <laughs> because of your technical and design skills. That's right. We use Photoshop, too. <laughs> yeah. And then um, here we are, and we live like a mile and a half apart. Somehow. Somehow. That's a strange one. I'm still figuring that one out. Yeah. So anyway, you're, you're here because you're one of the very interesting people that I've met in my life. We had a lot of conversations that, uh, that stay with me. Um, and you have a lot of interests in the natural world and design. And you came over the other day and showed me a thing you'd made. And it's not just a thing, but a pretty thing, but a useful calendar, but it's got a whole like philosophy and ethos behind it. Yeah. And so, you know, it'd be cool to sell a few of these to folks who are looking for uh, interesting non, you know, commoditized um, gifts for people. But really, I want to talk to you about the the philosophy and the the outlook behind, you know, a circular calendar and, and everything else. So uh, I don't know where do, where do you want to start? Just talk about like maybe just describe the calendar a little bit, and then we can get into what's what's behind it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's it's called the space of a year, and it's meant to depict the entire year in a single image. Um, I specifically wanted that because 
the common calendars that we use now, you only get to see a month at a time, typically. And uh, it's not a great visualization tool, say, at New Year's to think like, okay, what is my year going to be? And you look at your calendar and you only see January. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, so its purpose is to be a, a tool for visualization so that you can sort of close your eyes and see where you are in the year and maybe remember specific things about the year that you want to that pertain to the time you're in. Um, so I tried to make it as intuitive and accurate as possible, <laughs> which is a very difficult thing because... Um, well, the way time works and the way the planet moves around the sun and relation to our calendar and, you know, the moons and everything is, is it's not very intuitive. It, there's a lot of figuring out that goes into it. Right. So now, you, now, we could have had like a year calendar, like, you know, on a, cal- on a space this big, there's like 24 by 24, we could have put all the months. But there's something really interesting to me about the circularity of yeah. it, as opposed to like when I, when I look at a regular calendar, I think, okay, like I, I can think of the year ahead. I can, um, you know, make plans and decide I want to be here by June and here by September for various projects or, or, or skills or hobbies or interests. But there's something really interesting about bringing it like back up. Um, talk about why, why circular. Well, uh, the planet's orbit is circular, and that's what a year is based on. You know, I mean, we didn't just arbitrarily choose like, ah, let's make it 365 and a quarter days. You know, it was like, well, what is what is nature doing? You know, it's because the day the the, the Earth completes a full rotation 365 and a quarter times before it finds its way back to the same location relative to the sun. Um, we know that because the sun has the same path every year through the constellations. You can see, oh, it's it's back in this constellation, so. You know, it's it's circular because that's what nature did. You know, I mean, that's just how things landed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got I got to ask a what I, I suspect is a really dumb question, which is the constellations are star like configurations of stars, right? Yeah. And I can't see any stars when the sun is out. Right. So how, how do we know where the sun is in relation to the stars that it, that it uh, outshines? It's very impressive that we ever got to know that before telescopes and all you know all the kind of stuff um basically by tracking the stars throughout the entire year um you're going to see the same set of constellations one night to the next you're going to see a slightly different set i mean just uh, i don't remember how many degrees it is but one month to the next you're going to see you know the complete opposite set six months from now so people you know started tracking it and paying attention and noticed that i mean one it's it's running through the same ones every year but that it repeats so you can tell like just by timing like oh six months ago we could see these constellations so those guys are behind the sun now you know i mean it's it's a pretty complex thing to figure out for humans but we've known Mm -hmm. about it for very long time so mm-hmm. and this works if you assume that the earth is the center of the universe right like basically because right. you said like the sun goes on its path like could we could we imagine like we're in the we're in the center of of a like of a, of a sphere we're in the right in the center and this all is happening around us right so that's that's the geo geocentric perspective so that's what we see you know, that's not looking at it like looking at the solar system and the sun and the earth from above and going, oh, yeah, I see it going around. You're instead saying, well, what do we see from here? So it wouldn't be right to say the center of the universe, but the center of our perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, it's just based on observations from the point of the planet. So that's to clarify. That's that's kind of why we see the constellations in the sky when we do and where we do is is i mean they're they're not at all those shapes actually out there in space it's just what it looks like from here so uh-huh. so so i was trying to think like when i first saw it, it was like oh you superimposed this 
circular thing on it and you're but really this is where it started right like this is this is the origins of, of calendars of the cycle that, that everything that we think of as a calendar has, is superimposed right like oh like my my week at a glance calendar like weeks are are sort of human inventions or the idea of like progress or or birthdays or um you know, quarterly planning cycles for projects like that's that's like I think of that as a, as the normal calendar. Yeah. But that really is a whole bunch of superimposition upon what, what we really have, which is just this this re, uh, repeating cycle. Yeah. Well, it's just it's so that would be like a human centric calendar. <laughs> you know, I mean, your your dentist appointment doesn't care about what constellation the sun's in, you know, so it's it's not meant for that purpose it's meant for just sort of task management i i, I would say uh-huh. you know so it makes sense to have the calendar like it is it's just there's another way to look at it too and i just right. hadn't seen it out there so i said well i guess i gotta make it <laughs> right so you wouldn't want this on your phone right to, to like manage your your appointments and... i don't know uh one of the things i'm most curious about uh, learn about getting this thing out there is how people use it, how people want to use it, what they see in it, and uh, and this whole thing right now is just my ideas, and I I want it to be, you know, I I want really want to see how people use it. So maybe maybe you put your like, don't forget your dentist appointments this day. I don't know. <laughs> it could be used for anything, you know. It's just you know, it's not going to be in your pocket, so. Right, but it is it is intended to reconnect us with something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Talk talk about that. Um, well, initially it was just intended for me. <laughs> I, I didn't ever really think it was going to be something I was going to share or put out there or bring to this you know level of completion. It was really um, well for permaculture. What I wanted was to have a sense of what to do when, you know, uh, what's in season. Uh, specifically, I mean, it really was food-based for me. Like, the reason I wanted to do this is I wanted to, to uh, get closer to seasonal eating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if you can look at the calendar and say, like, we're in August here, like, I'm down here, I'm used to Massachusetts, you know, like, tomatoes are going bananas. So you could, like, draw in, like, tomatoes are from here to here. Uh-huh. You know, just so that when you, if you spend enough time with it, and instead of thinking an abstract concept of August in your mind, you can actually see where that happens in the year. And I feel like it will allow people to have a more, or, or develop it over time, a more intuitive sense of what nature's up to at any given time. I mean, it's it's kind of like a, the, the clock on the wall, you know, you can kind of glance at it and go, oh, it's, you know, whatever time, and, and you don't need to really imagine like oh it's 6 30 you know it's like you got it it's almost like a, a clock on the wall at a space station where <laughs> like there's no time oh okay now we know it's 6 30 but it's 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 not in any it's not in relation to anything meaningful right for us august okay well maybe we'll take a couple of weeks off go to the beach but i can get blueberries in august i can get blueberries in december i can get watermelon in november um that this is this is reminding us that they're like, you know, 200 years ago, people wouldn't have had to, like, go, gee, I wonder what, you know, I'm going to try eating seasonally. Yeah, no, you, you had no option. That's all there was, so. So why is that important? What are, what are we missing when we live just in human-centric linear time? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I can't speak to anybody else. You know, I, I know for me, for food purposes, I mean, fresh local food is just nutritional, nutritionally superior to something that got shipped over from New Zealand out of season or just pick your place, you know, like that for me, it was like for health. Um, but I do think there's, there's, um, science is kind of. And this is, this is nothing against science, but it's kind of destroyed the, the sort of cosmological aspect of mythology for us. You know, like uh, 
a lot of religions have a cosmological component where they talk about, you know, how the universe is made and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's, it's an important part of our lives that we forgotten about in a way. Um, because science came in and kind of said, you know, look, uh, your model of the universe isn't right. Uh-huh. So they kind of just tossed it, but nothing ever really came in to replace it in our personal lives where, you know, mo- most people have a, a religion or something that they would use to relate to the cosmos. And since science has kind of cracked up those views, uh, it's been gone. And I think, I don't know why or how, but I think it's something that matters to us, even if we don't know it. Um, and I might be wrong about that. That's <laughs> just, that's the sort of supposition that I've been under is like... Well, so, so what would an example of a cosmological view of the universe be like a Native American story about, you know, Raven steals the fire and that's what, or, um, you know, the, the trees all want to cover up the little ones in the fall, like a story of, of, of sort of purpose and agency within, within nature? Uh, I, I think those stories still work because they're, they're performing a different function. Um, I, I mean, what I'm speaking of is like, uh, I'll just pick Christianity because it's the one that I grew up with. You know, their their notion of the early on, you know, uh, the earth being the center of the universe and beyond the clouds is the firmament and there's heaven and, you know, the sort of uh, concept of like, oh, those stars up there are just sort of holes in the blanket. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's covering and like, I mean, that's all been kind of proven wrong, but for big part of human history uh, that was part of people's faith and it helped connect them to something larger and uh, in other words so there, so there is God who has made all this and has you know tucked us in with the blanket and the stars are little holes in it they're beautiful but that everything everything was for us yeah. and everything made sense yeah and now we have a a science-based cosmology that says everything is random particles and 90% of it is dark matter. And Yeah, it's a, it's a very much stranger situation than we imagined, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't think there's any good way for us to relate to that personally. Um, at least in terms of any kind of institutional, like, here's how it is. And here's how you relate to it. And here's, you know, so you can at least just check it off your list and go on with your day. You know, and I think it's, it might be, you know, a small piece, but it might be sort of piece of the puzzle that we're missing in modern life that, I mean, we've got nothing to lose by trying to find out, like, does it help to relate to a larger sense of time? You know, to, to find your way to tie back to the rhythms of nature within yourself maybe I mean it's been that way for me it's it's helped me right. I mean we certainly you know I don't know that we can do a uh, causal relationship but we can see what has happened as we have gotten more science based in our understanding of the world that we've depersonalized it and we we treat mother earth as a an endless stockpile of commodities to be mined or pumped or or bulldozed um and so you know ar- arguably like if you, you know when i read about sort of native people's uh, cultures and their beliefs about like you you wouldn't do that like you wouldn't do that to your mother right yeah right you wouldn't do that to your grandfathers and grandmothers and um uh, so then maybe there's you know sort of reorienting us towards our place in things can help us treat them better that is the word that i would use for this is orientation that's the sort of primary goal of this is to have a sense of orientation you know in a in a very mysterious world um you know i mean that's kind of how this thing was born was you know as i grew up as a young man i had a lot of questions and uh, began to really question, like, what, what is going on here? Like, what, what is, uh, what's this all about? 
And, you know, the more I looked, the more I started to realize, like, well, it's, it's a pretty, pretty big mystery here, the whole thing that's going on. And, like, where do you, how, how do you find your way to get grounded in that? Like, how do you, like, if you're lost in the woods, like, you got to start somewhere. Like, okay, which way's what, you know? And that's kind of what this is intended as, and that's part of what drove it for me was so that I could have a sense in my mind of, like, where we are, uh, and maybe what to do with it. <laughs> mm. So, so a uh, so an, an orientation in time, as opposed to like a compass, would give you an orientation in space. Well, in in space too, you know. Um, as far as I can tell, most of the things we know are just strictly relative. Like uh, space, for example. Like I mean, we know where we are relative to the sun. We know where that is relative to the center of the galaxy. For example, we know roughly where that is based on other galaxies. We know that's in the universe, whatever that is. Um, beyond that is anybody's guess, you know. And that's that's one of the, the the questions early on for me that I was trying to wrap my head around is like, uh, where the hell are we, <laughs> you know? And the fact is, nobody really knows, and that's part of why I wanted to sort of get back to the fundamentals and say, okay, what do we know? We know we're on this planet, moving around this sun. What's it doing? What's it up to? How's it all work? <laughs> you know, and at least have a, a, a starting point for me to have something that resembles an answer, you know? So, I mean, it, it's moderately succeeds in that. <laughs> All right, well, let's look at it. And uh, I think, for, you know, well, we have some slides that I can um, inter interstice. Is that a word? Inter it is now. Yeah, interstitialize. <laughs> so um, if you can, you know, like take take us through. So I see there's, uh, there's the months starting with January, ending with December. I noticed that January 1st doesn't start at the top. No. Um, so these are, these are not random things these are decisions that had to be made describe what, what what we're looking at okay so we'll start from the center um we're showing the sun and it has uh you know the year 2020 in it because this only applies to the year 2020 because the days change um this it's a, a leap year so it actually is 366 days so next year when i go to update i'm gonna have to redo all the uh the days again, that's very, very tedious. Um, so anyway, the sun's in the middle, and around it I've shown, excuse me, uh, eight moons, uh, I'm sorry, eight Earths. So if we start from the top, the winter solstice is the point that <laughs> the axis of the Earth is facing basically directly north. That's why it's the longest day of the year for people in the northern hemisphere because we're furthest away from the sun up here. Um, and as you travel through the months, you know, you're an eighth of the way through the year at this point. This uh, the, the Gaelic, I believe, are the ones that named it in, in bulk, which I have only read it, so I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> I'm, I'm so, sure we'll get comments if you're not. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I welcome them because this, is, this has been a lot of work to try to check this all myself. Uh, so eighth of the way through the year, you got that. And a quarter of the way is the equinox where, again, in the northern hemisphere, well, this one actually applies to both hemispheres, the um, the day is equally as long as the night. You know, and that's that's because of geometrically, that's just how it works. Um, then you go to Beltane, which is the next one. I'm not going to try to get into fractions here, um, mainly because I'm not good at them. Uh, so halfway through, you have the summer solstice, which is the opposite. The northern hemisphere is now tilted towards the sun, so it's getting a whole lot more daylight, a whole lot more heat. That's why it's summer. Um, still have no idea I'm gonna, I'm gonna go what with, that word I'm is. I'm going to go with lunasa. I like it. That works. Um, that's the next one. <laughs> uh, next eighth marker. Uh, equinox. Same situation, except you're just now on the opposite side of the sun, where the axis is equal. Uh, equinox actually, I think, means equal night in Latin, which is just saying, you know, 
exactly that. Uh, Samain. Which I believe is Samhain. Might be, yeah. See? See? <laughs> this is this is a problem with reading stuff only. Uh, you know, which people usually associate with Halloween because, you know, it's Halloween landed right there. And then the solstice. You know, so you're back to the beginning of the year. Well, the end of that year and the beginning of the next. Okay, you've also got a bunch of moons here. Yeah. And you have some moon moon signifiers up at the top of the circle. Yeah, so uh, I, I visited a number of websites to get the names of the moons, and uh, there's a bunch of disagreements on... Disagreements, that might be a new word, too. <laughs> uh, you know, what they're called. So I just... I don't even remember how I chose. I was just like, well, you win. So... Um, <laughs> You know, my, people might look at it and go, that's not the hunter's moon, that's the something or other moon. And yeah, it well, is. Well, what I, what I like about the name, it was just like cold moon, wolf moon, snow moon, worm moon, pink moon, flower, strawberry, thunder, sturgeon, harvest, hunters, blue, and beaver. They're, they're evocative. Like when you say beaver moon, you can see something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, uh... it's an association. That's that's one of the main goals of this is I want you to be able to associate a sense of time with, you know, like to be able to tie in right now or, you know, sometime in the future or past with other contexts. You know, I don't, I don't feel like our calendars right now do that. So, um, and actually a pretty neat side note, the blue moon is named that because it is a blue moon which is uh, when there's two full moons in the same month. And you can actually see, uh, where are we here, by the month lines, that there was a full moon in, at the beginning and the end of the month. So oh, okay. So it's not actually blue, like in the nope. sky. It's nope. just called a blue moon, like a rare occurrence. I don't know why they chose that name, um, but it looks the same. <laughs> okay. gotcha. I have the song in my head. And, and I, I'd only put these ones out where the days are out at the end so that you wouldn't have to try to figure out, like, okay, where does that line up? I just kind of threw that in there for people so they'd know. Um, so, and if you want to just continue working out from the center, um, we have the constellations, which, as we discussed earlier, um, depict where the sun is in space. Okay, okay. I'm just checking because at 29 minutes it's, it obnoxiously turns itself off, so I'm just keeping a little eye. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, so uh, these just represent where the sun... What, what, what constellation the sun is in during that day of the month. So you can see, I mean, if you, if you know your birthday, you can always look and go, oh, yeah, there it is, you know, that's, that's me. Uh, beyond that, I have just a little bit of a sort of artistic flair that I wanted to throw in there to, you know... Um, Give it that sort of mandala type look, um, but it also shows you know the month and the weeks, and then you get out to the portion that is meant to be written on, which uh, it's one of the main things I, I I've been harping on people about is you got to write on it. That's what it's for. You so know? people should not buy the expensive um, no. glass covered calendars. No, no. You should wreck this thing by the end of the year with ink and highlighters and crayons and whatever you want to do. Like, just make it yours, you know? Uh, so, yeah, and you can see there are 366 lines all the way around, um, and each space is a day. These yellow lines are the weekends, which I thought should be a little brighter because Why not? my weekends are brighter for me. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then out here we have the days, so you can see, you know, um, what day you're in. And uh, I put the weeks in there and just, I wasn't actually going to include them. They were just in there from the previous version, and I didn't feel like deleting them. So, and I've actually shown the constellations in white here, too, just for kicks. Just right. I thought it would be neat that people would like that. All right. And you you'd mentioned to me that the, there's elements of what you call sacred geometry, and maybe we'll hit the thing and restart it. Sure, yeah. Hang on, everybody. And we're back. Uh, so sac sacred geometry. What, what what is it, and where do we find it in the in the calendar? That is um, 
that's what the background is based on. Um, and I, I do have a, a slide for that too, so you can kind of really see what it is. Uh, that's, I just, <laughs> it's just a side passion of mine. It's just something I'm interested in and I think is fun and I like playing around with it. And, what, is it uh, what is it? Oh boy. It's, I, I wouldn't even know how to describe it. It's, I don't know that's a good idea that I try. <laughs> okay. Um, people can, people go look it up, sacred geometry. Yeah. I mean, is it like, it sounds like a, is it a religious thing or? I want to say the Egyptians came up with it like forever ago. It's, it could be a religious thing. Sure. I mean, it's, I don't see it that way. I actually don't even like that the word sacred is attached to it, but I understand why it is. Um, It's just very, very fundamental geometry. Um, It's pretty. Uh, I'm Okay. If you want well, to it, talk is, about is, that, is it like like sort of you know the golden ratio, um, like the idea that there are, you know, like we live in a kind of a post-truth world where everything is relative, and yet mathematics. A lot of people say like mathematics has truth, yeah. or that you know that um, that you can see these um, you know, mathematical or geometrical patterns as, as being sort of the the building blocks. Sure, of, yeah. of of reality, and then if you get to know them, you can just like when you get to know your your when your pumpkins are in season and where the moon is, um, that you can be at home in a universe where you understand how to make it, sort of. Yeah, uh, <laughs> understand somewhat what it's made of. I would say okay. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to start. Um, Actually, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it starts, actually, is, is it starts from a point, then it makes a line, it rotates that line around a point, and that's like, you know, it's just slowly how you get a circle, you know, it's just, look it up online. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not uh, prepared to really talk about that. Um, it's, it is something I love, though, and I have really, really enjoyed, and, um, it's not. It's really something you should see, um, and you can see one version of something that relates to it here. But uh, I mean, if you look up things like the Flower of Life or Metatron's Cube is a good one. Um, I would say Sacred Geometry and Platonic Solids. If you look up that, you'll see it's some pretty fascinating stuff. Okay, um, and you mentioned that uh, there's a there's sort of a fractal thing going on yeah yeah um just the idea of sort of self self similarity which yeah. you can see like really clearly here but also you see it in like a lot of nature yeah it's and that's i partially put that in here because i didn't want it to just be white or black <laughs> you know it was like something's got to go there um but yeah it's i mean nature uses these patterns quite a bit. I mean, uh, the reason I have the honeycomb in here, I mean, honeycomb is basically the most efficient tessellation pattern you can have, two-dimensional pattern for circles. There is. Um, I mean, you can put a circle inside every one of those hexagons, and that's as tight Mm. of a circle as you can get, you know, Um, which is neat that the bees found that, you know. It's like they just figured it out on their own. Um, But... To, to get to that, uh, I've followed with the hexagons up here, um, and those, I mean, each one of those is essentially is a fractal. I mean, I didn't actually follow it through and zoom in a bazillion times and keep making them. <laughs> um, you know, it's for this practically. Right, it's, sort of like it's a the, fractal. It's like the, the funhouse mirrors, right, where the two reflecting back and forth, you can see yourself forever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, holography holographic aspects to nature uh, i mean the, dna the, is a good example that the part contains the whole right sometimes. yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's dna <laughs> it's a perfect example of that uh and you know as i was speaking of earlier about you know trying to understand our place in the universe i mean it's there's a good shot that the whole thing's holographic in itself and you know i mean that's mm. that's getting pretty out there but i mean it's Good a guess as any. In my well, I mean, there's, sci- there's serious scientists who who think that's the most likely thing, right? Yeah, this isn't just uh, yeah, you know, pipe dreams. 
Yeah, and in that sense, if you if you if you follow that idea through, that would mean that would make time itself nonlinear. So, I mean, it would be just a continuous, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, the other thing is that you mentioned, like here, I don't know if people can see one, two, three, up through twelve. That what this looks like is a watch face. Yeah. Like not a digital one. Um, and one of the things I remember f- reading from some designer was like if you have a digital watch, each of the elements of the of the time you have to kind of chunk it all together. So like you know, four twenty three, the four might have you know four lines on it, and then the two dots, and like like so many pieces of information, as opposed to a watch face that says you know four twenty three, you get it much yeah it's much more, more intuitive intuitive yeah and. Like this is this is like a, you know, a watch for the year. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and it's more faithful to the reality of the situation than our, our sort of linear box calendars. You know, this is much more representative of what is actually happening. So, cool. Is there anything else you wanted to point out? Uh I had a, a fun notion that I really like, um, that I kind of want to just share, mm-hmm. um, to sort of maybe help people reinvent their relationship to space, I guess. Uh, it's, it sounds real silly <laughs> and it probably is, um, but it's really fun. And if you can do it, it's very rewarding in my opinion, um, and maybe, you know, if, if people are interested in this, they might find themselves interested in trying this out. It's um, So when I was a kid, I used to do this thing when I'd be laying in bed. I'd be laying there with my eyes closed, and I'd try to trick myself into thinking I was laying the opposite direction in the bed. Okay. I don't know. I was a weird little dude. <laughs> Not much has changed. <laughs> I think a lot of people will have something like that that, yeah. that they've never told anyone like yeah yeah i know that's not yeah i, not I remember laying anything. in bed and trying and like playing with the idea like i was huge yeah and, and i was like like i could touch the walls and like i was uh like a, a, a too big doll in a too small dollhouse so so and, and you were able to sort of get the sensation within yourself of like of really feeling like that was the case yeah perfect that's exactly that's the trick if you can do that trick you can do this one and it's just it's really fun and um it's well I'll just get I'll just get into it um it's winter now so maybe this isn't a wintertime activity but you just go outside on a clear night I mean moon or no moon doesn't matter just a nice clear night put down a blanket and lay down on your back and look up at space um so just that sentence alone is kind of a lie. Look up at space. Because <laughs> that's not really what's happening. Uh, you're looking out. You know. So the trick is uh, to trick your mind into thinking you're looking down. And that you are stuck by some unforeseen, unseen force to this object behind you. And you're looking down and at any moment you could just fall into it. Mm. Uh, this is very Ender's Game. Yeah, yeah, the enemy's gate. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But so this is a, a really good way to trick your brain into seeing what actually is. You know, because right now it's a it's a false sense of like up. I mean, that's a relative term to us, but it's not factually true. I mean, it it, it is factually true. The definition is up is our sense of up. Right, our, but that's not a away, universal away, away from the center of the earth right yeah but that's, that's again earth earth centric right i mean it's it's also down it's also mm-hmm. out i mean if you can get it to where you look like it feels like you could fall into space you can also feel like you're on the side of the thing you know and that you're looking out the side into space and if you can really get your your mind to to do it it's um it's it's a worthwhile experience. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I was imagining like God trips and pulls out the plug, the gravity electrical <laughs> plug, and like yeah, yeah, slides off. Yeah, and you can actually trick yourself into almost being fearful of that. You know, like you can almost feel like whoa, like if this thing lets go, I'm gonna go flying. 
You know, it's uh-huh. just like a space movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, I know it sounds like a crazy thing to do, but so what's it's the, a worthwhile experience. Can you tease us as to what we what we might get, or just encourage us just to go do it and see for ourselves? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it doesn't work, and maybe it does, and if it does, maybe you go, okay, whatever, you know, and maybe you just think, wow, that was that was neat, <laughs> you know. It's just to me. It's a good way to remind yourself that perception is not always reality and that things are more mysterious than we know right. or, or tend to pay attention to, I would say. Yeah. What it brings me to, and I, I want to be a little bit careful about uh, speaking of this, but you, you and I have had discussions about certain um, friends from the uh, mushroom community Yeah, that... Um, that can help us sort of see from perspectives other than our own little narrow ones. Right. It almost feels like this is, this is a way to, to let go of the idea that my perspective, that what's coming out of these eyes is the center of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. It's to shake your, your thinking a little bit and shake your suppositions out of their containers and sort of reevaluate a little bit with, from a different angle, yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I've heard there's other ways too. <laughs> cool. So um, let's wrap up. Tell us where where we can find this. And so right now it's available for sale on thespaceofayear.artspan.com. Okay. And I'm still trying to figure out ways to drive the price down because it's custom color print. You know, I don't have the economy of scale working for me right now. It's print on demand, so that's kind of hurting it right now. But I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, right, you need a corporate sponsor. Someone <laughs> will put their logo and give them out to all their clients. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure people are chomping at the bit in the corporate right. world for this thing. Right. Um, uh, so it's the space of the year. The space this, of. I'm sorry. The space of a year on Facebook. There's a page i'm pretty new at all this so um and it's the space of the year on twitter and instagram as well so uh so the space of a year dot artspan dot com yeah okay yeah. people can go take a look and don't get the one with the glass do not get glass you might not even want to frame it you might just want to get it in a roll and just scotch tape it up and so you know the, the nicer you frame it and it looks like the less likely you are to scribble all over it which right. is which is your point. Like, uh, it becomes a static piece. It's supposed to be dynamic. It's supposed to, you're supposed to pour yourself into it. And if it, even if it's on a wall, it's less likely. You know? So it's... Uh, I mean, people can do what they want, of course. <laughs> but I would say have it accessible and be willing to scribble all over it. You know? And I, I would say, too, uh, make just a suggestion. I, I have this text white because I wanted people to be able to take a highlighter and... Whoosh, January's over, you know, February's over, you know, I mean, it's, it's meant to be lived like a year, you know, you're going to break some stuff and <laughs> not everything's going to go right. Just go ahead and go make mistakes on it. It's fine. Awesome. Well, thank you for, I mean, for, for, I know the, uh, I have a sense, I don't know. I have a sense of the amount of hours, hundreds or thousands that have gone into this. You, cause you, we were talking about this years ago, I think. That you yeah. Were, you were conceptualizing this, and it's finally here. And um, if you, you know, I'm talking to you guys now. If you um, are interested, uh, Brian's a good guy. You're not going to get rich on this. this is, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you all make it happen. I'm pretty sure I'm not. But this is a labor of love. Yeah. And um, it was honestly, it was made for myself. And then I started realizing, like, all right, other people might like this. So I got to. Yeah. Put some color on it and get it out yeah. there. And and to be in conversation with people. Like, what what does it mean to see a year like this to embed ourselves in cycles of nature? In, yeah. In, in the world that we so often convince ourselves isn't relevant. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, I, think, I think we have a very narrow sort of time focus in our culture now. Like, people kind of have the blinders on, like, this week. This, I mean, sometimes it's this minute, 
minute to minute. And it's like, doesn't hurt to every now and then take sort of a, a deep breath a little bit and kind of widen your scope a bit and just check in with that. <laughs> All right, well, when you come up with like a thousand year calendar, we'll talk about it again. We're going to need a, a bigger wall. <laughs> All right, Brian, thanks so much for doing this and for talking with us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. I hope you found that valuable. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. If you want the show notes and if you want to find a link to that calendar, again, plantyourself.com slash 354. If you're just searching, you can't remember the number. Brian's last name is Tourville. Tour, like going on a tour and V-I-L-L-E. So you can just put that in the search bar and you'll find it as well. So you might have noticed that this is a special Friday edition of Plant Yourself. And the reason is that there's a lot of stuff I want to get in before the holidays. This one was especially um, timely because if you wanted to do some holiday shopping, I wanted to make sure we didn't wait too long so you can get your Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's presents uh, taken care of. And this, I think, would be a beautiful one. We're going to have a double, double episode week next week as well. Uh, got some, a couple of really amazing conversations coming up. One, um, I didn't want to jinx it by saying too much that would happen, but it did. I talked to James Wilkes, the producer, co-producer and star narrator of The Game Changers. And so we talked about the making of the movie. We talked about James's life since deciding to make this movie something like seven years ago and also his recent appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast and what that was like and what his strategy was going in. Because as he said, he was quite combative, maybe more combative than uh, he needed to be. But we talked about what being combative means in this era of fake experts, fake news and, and fake advice. And then on Friday... We are going to have a conversation with Lenore Brayford, who's another local, came to Sun Studio. So we'll have a video for that as well. And Lenore is the founder of the Piedmont Farm Animal Refuge, which amazingly is also like five miles away from my house. It's this beautiful refuge, a sanctuary for rescued farm animals who have been abused and neglected mistreated by the animal agriculture system and by our society. And we went there with um, with the Sick to Fit retreat last month, and which is where I really got to know Lenore and the refuge. And I made some very special friends there. Uh, there's uh, Ivy and Ace, the, the goats, and um, Flower, the sheep. And I loved... Uh, Jordan, the turkey. And so now these are these are people to me, not just ideas or concepts. And so we talked about the creation of the farm sanctuary and the power of this kind of advocacy of letting the animals themselves be ambassadors. And that will be on Friday. I think it's the 20th of December, because then their Kickstarter campaign will be live. They're raising money to bring in a whole new breed to bring in cows, cattle, um, and apparently when cows are allowed to grow to their full size, they are huge. And I don't believe I've ever seen a full size cow because all the cows around here, you know, they only live to maybe their third or fourth birthday before they're no, they're deemed no longer economically viable. So basically, we're just seeing the children. And uh, I hope you'll tune in for that. And also, you know, again, there'll be a, a YouTube video for that as well. So in garden news, if you listen real carefully now, you might hear the rain on the roof. Or not. Maybe uh, only I can hear it, but the garden's hearing it and the garden is appreciating it. In running news, did a, a good nine and a quarter mile run yesterday afternoon. My wife Mia was uh, selling some of her wares at a Christmas market in downtown Pittsburgh. And last minute I decided, hey, I'll just run there. And I forgot my gloves. So it turned into quite an interesting experience and almost an hour and 45 minutes of not, you know, not pleasure, but uh, something akin to it. So um, I'm back on track. I got I got a new foot problem now. The, the the left top of the left foot, the bones up there feel like they're hurting. So uh, it's like, you know, the Inuit with their many, many words for snow. Us runners start developing lots and lots of words for for foot pain. So I got to go look this one up and find out what it is and how to treat it. 
All right, so let's talk about thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for the Sabali Dawn Dance of Peace song that I can use as the theme music for this podcast. Check out willridenauer.com, R-I-D-E-N-O-U-R, for more of his beautiful West African choral music. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Got a new one this week, and you'll hear it at the end. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hadley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Alan Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Volkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Runs the Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gail Lissert, David Donahue, Blair Seibert, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Raven, Ruth Ann Funderburg. Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy's E, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lindemann, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R. Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Lashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Coble, Shell Rutledge, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Roseland, Ayat, Julie Langholm, Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva L, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen. Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, and Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Heslin, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Karts, Dan Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Mull, Patricia Adams, Ian Kramer. Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Joan Borstein, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganshi, and Amy Daly for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. So if you appreciate the Plant Yourself podcast and would like to help support the mission of the show, there's a few easy ways to do it. One is to just go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Let other people know about it. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And that really helps us be found by more people. Something else, of course, you can do is let someone know about this podcast, someone uh, who you think would benefit. Send them maybe a couple of episodes that you think would uh, pique their interest or just uh, ask them to subscribe in general. And third, you can join arms and become a patron, a financial supporter of this show. You may have noticed that there's no advertising in the show and it's free for everyone and it's supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to make a one time contribution or an ongoing monthly pledge, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. All right. Time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filikonofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gail Lacerte, David Donahue, Blair Seibert, Dorona Vizo, Gio and Carol Argentati, Jody Friesner, with Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harpers and Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, and Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan, 
Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Karts, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashar, Gun Marie Hagen, Tracy Gullich, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Abedable Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends.